0: Seinfeld the Susie is over but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld the post show recap a podcast about nothing and now here are the two guys who have yet to make a great entrance onto a podcast I'm Rob Cisternino here is Keeve Winokur Keeve how are you
1: good how's it going Rob
0: yes I called you Keeve like Suze
1: as opposed to wheels or as opposed to Kiva? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess as uh, opposed to a different name, that's not you.
1: Um. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm. Uh, you know, as long as you don't call me weenie, that would like bring me back to like fifth grade. <laughs>
0: okay, I won't do that. First off, a uh, big congratulations and mazel tov to you, Keev, mm, Uh. Yeah. as we teased on the last podcast that Mrs. Winokur was about to give birth. You didn't know when it was going to happen. And sure enough, like clockwork. Uh, I believe it happened. What what dropped first? This podcast from last week or your new baby?
1: I mean, I wasn't really following the podcast dropping. Well, I did email you during during labor, but it took a while. Yeah. Um The um, I, I would say the baby came, and then the podcast probably dropped a couple hours later.
0: Very quickly thereafter. So uh, good work. Uh, what a productive week.
1: Yeah. Listen, you had two sons. I, I had to you know copy you. I I had to one up <laughs> you and. You know, now I have two sons too.
0: Yes, yes, four sons combined.
1: <laughs> I just also accidentally have two daughters also, so it's uh, you know there's a lot going on here.
0: There's a lot going on. Anyway, congratulations to you and everybody's doing good.
1: Yeah, as far as I know, I kind of <laughs> locked myself <laughs> you know. in this office.
0: Yes. <laughs> How many hours have you podcast since the baby has come?
1: This is only the second one. I, I figured if I did extra podcast this week, then my wife would get super annoyed. If I kept it to the normal two, I, I feel like she can't complain. But the oh she did come in before I told her to ask I I did ask her uh, if the baby could pipe down and she like mimed pulling out all the plugs in my computer but didn't do it
0: okay all right thank God that that has not happened yet anyway so uh, very exciting news. Uh, for the Winneker family and uh, exciting that we are here to talk about the Susie, an episode I said I didn't remember a lot about. I think that probably there is one iconic thing from this episode. I would not have remembered that it was from this specific episode, and I'm referring to George's answering machine, which I'm sure we will discuss in great length.
1: Yeah, definitely the most famous part of the Susie. Um, by the way, I, you know we, had, we ended up having a son, but I, I didn't know what we were having. And I told you last week I didn't have a girl's name. I feel like Susie would have been very appropriate in hindsight.
0: Yeah. Susie would have been good, but uh, no Suze uh, for you guys. I'm sorry. No Suze for you.
1: Yeah. And probably better that it's a boy. I, I, mean, I don't love the name Suzy. It's fine.
0: Yeah. What about Suzy for a boy?
1: Suzy for a boy?
0: Post gender society, right?
1: I know. I know. But not, but like, I, I mean, I don't even love it for a girl. I, <laughs> Nick, can we work on Suzy? Can we workshop Suzy into like. I don't know something a little more modern.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Suze is kind of cool for a guy, though. I could see it like as an American Gladiator type name.
1: What about like Zeus backwards, Suze?
0: Yeah, that's something. All right, so we're going to talk about this episode from February thirteenth, nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, how are you feeling? I know last week on the podcast you were under the weather.
1: Oh, I was great. I, I was. I'm feeling. I'm feeling much better. You know, I got out all my sickness in the hospital, probably with like a lot of uh, on a lot of other people, but. Now I'm fine. I'm feeling much better. Maybe it was just nerves for the baby coming. I really don't think so. I would have had nerves like the first three times when I was actually like concerned. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you I don't think over the it. fourth time. Is, uh,
0: okay. All right. And nerve. now you are just on the march to baby number five? No. I, I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. It's one for the thumb. That's what they say. No. You're like Tom I'm Brady. <laughs>
1: um, yeah um (laughs) yeah my giselle i think is uh is sticking with with war for now all right
0: anything else you want to touch on before we get into this uh suzy talk
1: no although i i will add um we we posted a version of the podcast last week um and then we updated it with a song at the end so if you missed the song because you heard an early version of the podcast Check out the last few minutes of last week's Van Vieren Boys podcast. There's a fun song at the end of
0: it. Yeah, we did not give Mike Bloom enough credit, and I said to Keith that I wish you would have let me know that we were dropping something like that at the start of the episode. I would have told people to listen to the end.
1: Yeah, I, I made I, I said beforehand, like, "Hey, let's do it at the beginning," and then I forgot to mention. And then I'm like, "Let's put it at the end." Then we forgot to send Scott the song. <laughs> listen, we're very. In
0: fairness, <laughs> you had a lot on your plate Saturday. Yeah,
1: I had, a, I had like, I had, I had uh, like dad brain last week.
0: Yeah. All right. So if anybody had an excuse, it was you. So check that out. Mike Bloom works very hard on a Martin Van Buren original song to go along with the Van Buren boys last week. All right. So let's talk about the Susie. Uh, this is from season eight, episode 15, February 13th, 1997, right before Valentine's Day.
1: Uh, yeah, not a Valentine- Valentine's Day themed episode by any stretch, though.
0: No, no mention of Valentine's Day. They was the pinstripe ball, but that was not a Valentine's Day tradition.
1: And we don't know what it was. It could have been, in theory, like maybe the Yankees do a ball every Valentine's
0: Day. Yeah, but probably not. And then uh, not. this episode, written by David Mandel. What else has
1: he done? Uh, Mandel, he writes in a team a lot of times. Uh, he's our, he's you know, more maybe more well known as uh, you know from the league and Curb Your Enthusiasm, or equally well known. But um, but uh, Mandel, he's the big dude. Yeah. Oh, he did Bizarro Jerry. Yeah, he did bizarre. He has a lot of classic episodes. He's really he's you know he's on the team of uh, of guys who really you know Alec Berg and Jeff Schaefer who who created the league that really um, you know handle a lot of key episodes in seven eight and nine.
0: Okay, he's got a lot coming up in season nine. All right, so let's talk about uh, the Susie, and uh, we begin with George and Elaine in the back of a taxi, and they're talking about. If George was a gigolo, how much money would he get for clients? It's
1: a weird question for Elaine to even entertain, honestly.
0: Yeah. And it's a weird question for George to even be asking.
1: I can understand, like, two bros, like, discussing it. It it is a strange thing to, like, ask Elaine. Mm -hmm. Who, like, there's no way Elaine's going to, like, actually think that there's a figure that George could actually get.
0: Right. I mean, George... I mean, it's incredulous that he says he thinks that he would get $300 as a male escort.
1: Um, Yeah, is that like for a week maybe he'd get
0: $300? <laughs> I, it, the whole thing is uh, just a bizarre line of questioning. And Elaine says, I don't know, a dollar?
1: I mean, I guess there are people who have like all different types of like weird like, you know, fetishes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like maybe like the short, stocky, bald guy. Who saw, you only need one person to be into you.
0: Yeah. And to pay that rate, though,
1: I, mean, I feel like the person who's into something that weird is probably rich.
0: Yeah. Again, I don't know how qualified he is. Also, again, there is that Elaine talks about is this in Japan because she says that the Japanese have gotten past looks.
1: Yeah, it's a good line. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know how the male market works, like how how they like price their services and. Like who's selling it for them. I, I really am not familiar with that world.
0: Right. I mean from We need a we
1: need a male prostitute of course. Yes.
0: I mean from what I've seen in TV and film, traditionally the male prostitute becomes successful for one of a variety of reasons, uh that in the HBO series hung, I that was the story of a man who was uniquely gifted as a male escort? Uh, in other films and TV shows, did you ever see the movie Loverboy? Boy? It's
1: like an 80s movie.
0: Yeah, where he was a. Piece I've seen like of pieces boy. of it. It used to be
1: like on like HBO all the time, right?
0: right? Where I, I, feel I and I'm having deja vu, like we've had this conversation before about. No, this I movie. definitely
1: don't think we've discussed <laughs> Loverboy. Boy.
0: And that I believe is it like a. Anthony Michael Hall. It might have been one of the Weekend at Bernie. Oh, no. You know, I think it's Dr. McDreamy. I think that he's the uh, pizza delivery guy. And then he delivers pizza to all these housewives that have sort of like this is pre-Viagra uh, era. And that they've sort of like lost interest in their wives. And he's sort of like a virile like 18-year-old that is just having sex with all these women that order pizza with extra
1: anchovies. Wait. So that's the key? If you order extra anchovies, that means you want him? If you
0: call the pizza place. And you say you want a pizza with extra anchovies. He comes over and then uh, has sex with uh, these housewives. What
1: What if someone just wants extra anchovies?
0: I think that probably... I think that happens in the movie. I think that... Oh, okay. Uh, Are we then, spoiling
1: the end of Loverboy?
0: <laughs> right. No, no that's, that's just like, I think, a gag that happens in the movie. But then I think then all the husbands find out and they start chasing him. So... Um, you know, it's a, a fun filled romp from 1989 starring Patrick Dempsey.
1: Um, yeah, but I, but is it ever, I wonder if it's like how often it's looks, how often like women are just like, just give me an attractive Right. Guy. So uh, th- basically I think there comes down to two, like,
0: is there, is it like one, uh, it's like a hot guy and two, it's a guy who's like maybe in looks department is not so gifted or blessed, but really knows what they're doing with the equipment.
1: Right. I think with, with men, it would just be looks. Ninety nine point nine percent. They're looking for for attractiveness.
0: Right. Maybe not that high. Maybe like uh you ninety eight point seven percent. Right. Okay. Fine. Some okay. Uh, some you know, uh, woman who is an expert in the tantric arts. That's like some sort of a specialist that could come in. But either way, that George is out of his mind to think that three hundred dollars in in nineteen ninety seven money is yeah. uh, coming his <laughs> way.
1: Yeah. The inflation calculator for George's gigoloness is not. It doesn't add up.
0: Also in Lover Boy, uh, Kirstie Alley, uh, star of Cheers, and also the late great Carrie Fisher.
1: They both play housewives. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so really, a lot, a lot of big names would come out of that. I, I feel like if Big Dreamy ever became a little bigger, he would have like had Lover Boy destroyed, like the way Tom Cruise does, <laughs> with, with, like movies he doesn't like. I
0: think it was like his first thing. I think it was uh, where um, you know that uh, he. Might, I, mean, I think he had like uh, maybe was he is he also in Can't Buy Me Love. I think that maybe be the, the special. I do like the, the when follow-up. like
1: super big actors like start with something really embarrassing, mm-hmm. like Emma Stone, who like won the best actress a couple days ago. Like she was, she was like on a reality TV show. Mm-hmm. That's how she got discovered, like a singing like country music competition. Yeah, like I feel like one more, one more Oscar, and she's like buying the rights to that show and like putting it in a vault. No one's ever seen it.
0: Yeah. Okay, uh, so yeah, he his uh, first thing was Can't Buy Me Love in 1987, uh, and then uh, did "Lover Boy" in 89, so that was the uh, early days of uh, Patrick Dempsey's career, so we're, we're way diverted. Uh, so let's go to uh, Jerry and Kramer on the street, and they're talking about how it's dark now, it's not daylight savings time, Kramer ends up setting his watch ahead an hour because he can't wait for daylight savings time. Keeve, this is something that Kramer does in the opening of the episode. You almost feel like the the whole episode is going to be about this. You know, all the things that happen once Kramer sets his watch forward an hour. But there's really no payoff to this other than a couple of times Kramer gives out the time in the episode and it's off.
1: So, you know, I thought about this because people definitely wrote in and said, hey, how come this doesn't pay off? Is this a mistake? Like, is it a flaw in the episode? To me, not everything has to tie together in like a tidy twist at the end. Like, it's fun when the show does it, but because they do it almost every episode, it's okay if they don't do it once in a while. Mm -hmm. And it just brings a bunch of different plots like, you know, forward 1% or it's just like a funny thing that is a recurring sort of, like, D-E storyline. So it doesn't bother me that there's, like, yes, they could have, maybe at the end of the episode we'll come up with, like, a really funny idea for what they should have done with Kramer, like, messing up the time. Yeah. But, but it you know, it, it doesn't take anything away. To me, it doesn't bother me that there's no, like, major reveal at the end from The Watch.
0: It feels a little tacked on where if Kramer is going to, you know, do Daylight Savings time at, you know, early and on his own, I I feel like that that's sort of like a thing that should be Kramer's storyline in an episode. Like what goes wrong when Kramer decides to do that? And it's just like a tacked on thing where Kramer doesn't have anything happening in the episode until really the second half where he sort of, like, gets Jerry involved with the bookie. He just has, like, a bunch of, like, little stories where he's, like, kind of related to it.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, you just It's pumping up Kramer's storyline a little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, uh, so here's Mike Moffat on the street. He's back. He's the guy that called Jerry a phony, famously. Correct me if I'm wrong, that he is the guy who George got into the argument with over the parking spot.
1: Yep. Yep. Parking space. Yes.
0: Yes. Over there was going to be the boxing match at Jerry's house that they were going to watch and it was backing in versus uh, going in head first. Who had the right of way to the parking spot? Well, now Mike Moffat is a bookie. And also he famously said that Jerry was a phony, which made Jerry very upset. Yeah. In
1: hindsight, first of all, doesn't it seem like that episode we did that like eight years ago?
0: Right. It seems longer for us podcasting about it than it was for this to, like, transpire in the show.
1: Yeah. And and like it aired. It feels like it aired like three years ago. And we we filmed we recorded that episode like 22 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was a long ways ago. But we do vaguely remember this
1: guy. You know, definitely. It's it's fun having this rando back. I, I, he's like, you forgot about him and now he's here. I like it.
0: So, you and I got into the parking space on only february twenty eighth two thousand and fifteen, which amazingly almost exactly two years to the day of when we were recording this march first mm. twenty seventeen
1: remarkable truly uh two years i mean that's crazy two years we got from episode two twenty two to episode one forty nine today
0: yeah and, Keeve, all uh, seven comments uh, were remarkably positive on the episode.
1: Are you being facetious?
0: <laughs> I, I haven't scanned through them all yet. Uh, somebody uh, just uh, yelled, Heisenberg, exclamation point.
1: Ah, great point, Guy. Yeah,
0: I think we were saying was that- Was Breaking um, Bad
1: still going on in February of 2015?
0: No, it was over. Breaking Bad ended uh, in September of 2013.
1: You know, I, I I feel like I'm getting worse with, like, dates as I get older. Do you feel that also?
0: Yeah, um, that's a thing. That's Like, uh, I know,
1: like, I, I, my, my frame of reference is, like, when my kids were born and, like, Jets and Mets seasons. Like, I know what was a good season, what was a bad season. <laughs> yeah. but I don't know, like, what was happening other than that. Like, you could tell me, like, Lost ended six years ago or, like, 14 years ago, and I'm, I wouldn't be sure.
0: <laughs> I don't think it ended 14 years ago.
1: No, but I also don't think it ended five, six years ago. I think it was more.
0: It pretty much started 14 years ago.
1: It started September something of 2004, actually. That I remember.
0: Yeah. Um, Hornacek, one of the commenters, also was down on your ranking of the episode. Uh, 146 seems low for this episode.
1: It's a weird episode, the parking space, right? It's almost all outside. Mm -hmm. Not a lot going on. I don't know. Maybe when we revisit revisit the... Second time around, I feel like all my rankings are up for grabs again, so <laughs> okay. maybe it'll, maybe it'll be number one next time. All right.
0: So Mike Moffitt got a new job. He's now a bookie. He's very excited about this new line of work. Uh, do you just become a bookie? How does that work, Keeve?
1: I mean, I, you just, like, announce I'm a bookie. It's like declaring bankruptcy. hmm Just declare it. And I, I think, you know, like, he's clearly not really a bookie. Like, you can call him, but I don't think he's really set up his operation yet. Mm-hmm. OK. And and also like, you know, he's working by himself. You, don't, you know, you know, you never know whose toes you're stepping on when you just announce you're a bookie.
0: Yeah. OK. Well, we're going to see some thumbs get stepped on uh, in this episode anyway. So uh, Mike asks, what time is it? Kramer says it's almost six and uh, Mike's uh, running late. Oh, man, he got to get out of here.
1: Um. i mean where does this guy have to go he's a freaking bookie
0: (laughs) i don't know you got to get these uh bets taken before uh we get to what is it february before some of these nba games start
1: like is he a storefront does he have a storefront or is he just like i mean i guess a house call bookie is is a pretty sweet deal like i would like a house call bookie
0: you know pre-internet you got to go make the rounds
1: it's true have you ever placed a bet with an actual bookie no me neither
0: yeah, I think that I feel
1: like I feel like it's like a thing from the 70s.
0: I'm surprised that you have. And I feel like with all of your uh, sports watching and fantasy leagues and 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 all that stuff, I feel like that at some point you would have placed a bet somewhere.
1: Well, I usually I just like bet a friend or something, you know, mm-hmm. like I mean, or, or, or you know, like you like make a Vegas bet or not, you know, an online type bet. But I, I I never I don't know. I never had a bookie if I was like 14 and I met a bookie, I would be all over that. Yeah. So- I feel like now there's easier ways to go. Yeah, I
0: have placed some bets in Vegas, uh, but not with an actual uh, bookie. All right. So we then go to Elaine at work. And here she is with Peggy, uh, who is an employee at the Peterman uh, Corporation. Uh, Do you recognize Peggy from
1: anything? Do I recognize her like as the actress? Yes. Um I don't think so. Where is she from?
0: I feel like that she's pretty famous, but I have to say that I could not place her. I feel like that she's been in uh some something uh that's important, but I can't tell you uh what it is.
1: I don't know. I mean, she's in one more episode of this show.
0: Mhm. Oh, she's going to come back on so, Seinfeld?
1: Yeah, we're going to see we're going to see Peggy again. Yeah. Um with the with the germaphobes and putty in season 9. But um no, I don't know. I, I think she's Megan Cole.
0: Yeah, Megan Who's Cole. Megan Cole. I don't know where else I know her from, but she has one of those faces. She seems very familiar. Uh she is gonna be in two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, so maybe uh that's it.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm looking at her IMDb, you don't know her from anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like not not like famous wise. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's her, her biggest spot is maybe seven episodes of VR.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, here she is, and she is talking to Elaine, and she's calling her Susie. Uh, She says, "Thanks, Susie." And Elaine, who is normally very outspoken, does is not able to retort that she is not Susie.
1: Yeah. I I mean, obviously, this whole thing could have been solved if you just like immediately said, "Who's Susie? I'm not Susie."
0: Right. Oh, you must be mistaken. I'm Elaine. So we see Elaine and Jerry at Monk's, and Elaine really. Can't even believe she's insulted that she's being called Susie. She's not a Susie. Uh Jerry thinks that she could be a Sharon.
1: It's funny. Elaine is not concerned that this person at her work doesn't know the person who's been running the company for a long time. Mm -hmm. She's just concerned that she got called like a name that she thinks is Dorky.
0: Yeah. And then she doesn't think she's a Sharon either. She says a Sharon. What am I, a bulimic chain-smoking stenographer from Staten Island?
1: I don't know. That person sounds awesome.
0: (laughs) Bulimic chain-smoking stenographer from Staten Island. I do feel like that, you know, those things probably go hand-in-hand. I feel like there's a lot of pressure to keep up with all of the uh, stenographing.
1: Yes, a very competitive field, especially in Staten Island. Everyone knows that. I also like Sharon is like such a common name that it's funny that that's like what she's boiling it down to.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll get another hint into this Sharon that Elaine has apparently known. George comes in. He has a tuxedo. He's going to the pinstripe ball. uh, Jerry calls it the Yankee prom. He's all excited about this, that he has this woman, Allison, who is tall, blonde and lithe. Keeve, have you ever used the word lithe?
1: no never I, I i would never use the word lithe. i think it's like uh to describe a person i don't know it, it seems a little creepy did you even know what it is yeah i know the word lithe. i'm um freaking high school english
0: okay i did not uh that uh so lithe, according to uh google is a thin supple and graceful
1: um can you be a yeah. little lithe? Well, you can you can be a little light <laughs> <laughs> if you're talking about thin or supple but not the graceful part <laughs>
0: Now, it's interesting here that George has uh, this beautiful woman that he's dating, and his only concern seems to be this preoccupation with making a great entrance to the Yankee ball. That seems bizarre.
1: Yes, she has no use to him past this one date, basically.
0: Right. Like, he has no lust for her, no desire to be with her beyond the Yankee ball all he cares about is that he she makes an entrance with him. I mean, why doesn't he just hire an escort to come yeah. with him and make an entrance? I
1: honestly I honestly think it makes more sense for the for the episode if that's what he did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh it's it's crazy that you know he just is like has no interest in her outside of the ball and, and the fact that he's so concerned with he has to make a great entrance.
1: Yeah, I right, they don't really go into too much depth about the entrance, but okay, it's fine. That's a George type of thing. But, yeah, I agree. The The prostitute should have been brought back up in some capacity.
0: Okay. And he needs her because he has to make a great entrance. She has a dress that is backless. She needs to come in and do a twirl. I mean, the, this whole idea is, like, so convoluted of – coming in, making an entrance, doing a twirl. It's not going to be on TV or anything like that. Like, what if, like, people weren't watching the door? I mean, is there, like, an, uh... and now here is George Costanza, assistant to the traveling secretary, and his lovely date,
1: Allison. Yeah, it doesn't seem like anybody else would care. I agree. Also, like, what if, instead of, like, maybe a full-on process, what if you just paid Allison to come once she broke up with
0: him? Oh, that's interesting. What would And she then charge? there's, like, an
1: argument well, yeah. I'm sure he bought the gown, so he's got to pay for the gown plus like 300
0: Yeah, I mean, something that I've always uh, like, again, I I, I don't know, you know, um, that, you know, I'm like the least experienced uh, person in the world when it comes to uh, these uh, with these things. So like when you like in the phone book, there are like escort services, which, you know, that I guess the idea is that you can just hire somebody to go on a on a date with you again i I don't know if the whole thing is just like one like crooked industry and people look the other way or that is like an actual business that people run i don't know it's just an escort service and we send people out to go have dinner with these shut-ins and lonely people i honestly have no do you know anything about this
1: i mean no no i don't know anything about this but so um
0: But I mean, I I just have no idea if I'm naive or if it's actually, you know, the whole thing is a front or it's actual like.
1: No, there's definitely are people who just get paid to like entertain and, you know, be like a wing wing woman or, you know, like I need to go on a, you know, like my boss has a wife and I need to go on a double date. So just be my girlfriend. I'm sure, you know, there's I'm sure there's both sides of that coin. Yeah.
0: But this is fascinating to me. Not so much the the prostitution part. Like I get that part. The part that's not prostitution, I think, is
1: fascinating. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's a little interesting.
0: Yeah, like you so you just go on a date with someone. Like, what do you talk about?
1: Well, I mean, whatever you want.
0: Uh, I guess so. It's just so the whole thing is the whole thing is crazy.
1: Yeah, and I would be sitting in my watch like, all right, I'm paying her like three hundred dollars for the date. Yeah, right? I mean, like d- is there like
0: pressure? She went to, to like... the
1: bathroom for ten minutes. That was like you know like thirty bucks of my time. That bathroom trip. I don't know. I'd be like doing the math the whole time.
0: Okay, so you get an escort. You go to dinner. Do you order for the escort or they can have whatever they want? Or do you say, okay, all right. And let's, you know, you're, you know, you're getting paid for the night, but you know, the, let's keep it to an entree that's under $40. No,
1: I feel like if you're paying, you, you gotta, you know, you're taking her to a restaurant. She has to be allowed to have the entree.
0: She's allowed to have anything she like, wants.
1: Anything she wants. Same as you. My, when my rule, when I go to a restaurant, if someone's taking me out is I, I try not to spend more than them.
0: Yeah. But you're not paying the person to have dinner with you.
1: No, usually not. Rarely. <laughs>
0: I feel um, like if I'm paying you to have dinner with me, if I want, I should be able to pick what you eat.
1: I think you get the leftovers also then, if okay. you're paying for dinner. But I,
0: certainly. Certainly. Yeah. So
1: wait, so you're saying you should pick, you, you get to pick what the person has.
0: If I'm paying you to sit there and eat dinner with me, I mean, I could give you the option if I chose to, but... So the
1: waiter comes over and you say, like, we both are getting the meatloaf.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I think that's a power move when you order the meatloaf for another person.
1: Yeah. What if if you just ordered the meatloaf for the other person and you don't order the meatloaf? (laughs) Yeah,
0: fine. If I'm paying you to be at dinner with me, all right, he'll have the meatloaf uh, and I'll have the uh, fajitas.
1: I mean, this place has a lot of range, fajitas and meatloaf.
0: (laughs) so all right. i mean uh yeah i would love to know more about uh more about the yeah. non we will accept
1: your anonymity if you know if you know anything more about this
0: yeah again th- again we're not talking about prostitution we're talking about is there some middle ground where you go you get paid to go and 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 have dinner dates with people That's well, this what is I'm like interested. that
1: whole sugar daddy thing where like you're just like basically posing as a girlfriend and they buy the person gifts and stuff.
0: No, I think that, but that's a but, means to an end. I think the person is your sugar daddy because they think that this is going to say like, they're they're Like, it's like, um, a, um, you know, um, not exactly prostitution. I can't believe it's not prostitution. I think they call that. Right.
1: Yeah. That's exactly what they call it.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. So, uh, have we, uh, are we canceled yet? This episode, I don't even know what scene we're up to. I forgot the episode we're talking about. Let's the rating. Let's do rating. Okay.
0: All right. So George needs the woman to come and make the entrance uh, with him, and uh, he's very excited about it. So all right, we then see George and Allison. Allison says, uh, "Now this is crazy. She got the Nick ticket for Kramer from her boss. Why she's getting a Nick ticket for a singular Nick ticket that's courtside for Kramer?" What Kramer is giving her in return, it, this whole favor is also absurd.
1: It is a little absurd. Like, I guess if you're a gr- girlfriend, you say, hey, you know, anyone at my firm can get the Knicks ticket. You know, like there's one free. Listen, one courtside seat is not so insane. Mm-hmm. It was like one seat in the loge. Fine. But it's like courtside seats are really expensive and rare. It's Like, all right, we have, you know, the, the, the CEO gets one and whoever, you know, one person can sit next to him. So you like your boyfriend wants it, all right, You're th- you're 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 doing him a solid. That's not so crazy to me.
0: Okay, all right. So she says, we, George, we need to talk. He knows nobody needs to talk. This is a red flag. We find out in the next scene he's going to tell her he needs to get soda, and he left the apartment and never came back.
1: Yeah. So he left her in his apartment. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's right. He stayed at his parents' house.
1: Yeah, that, that's how badly he wanted to avoid her.
0: Yes. And now they're supposed to go to dinner, he tells Jerry when they're at Monk's, at Pomodoro. Everybody goes to Pomodoro to break up.
1: I love the idea that there's a breakup restaurant.
0: (laughs) Yes. We'll see Pomodoro later on in the episode. So George is going to avoid her. He's not going to be around her. If she can't find him, they can't break up.
1: Yeah. She'll just have to go to the ball at this point. Yes. But what kind of, like, I know George, like, I understand why this beautiful woman would break up with George, but who would break up with him right before the Yankee Ball?
0: Yes. Why doesn't she want to go to the Yankee Ball? Uh, That's yeah. a good question.
1: Although she hates sports, she's not even interested in the Knicks ticket.
0: Yeah. Uh, Keith, I also said they're at Monks, that they're at Jerry's apartment, for the record. Yeah. Okay. But this is his one chance to make his great entrance, and she's ruining it.
1: I mean, I'm not really, like, on board so much with the entrance thing. I hear what you're saying. Like, you know i don't i don't know why we care about his entrance thing but you know he's george he's george what are you gonna do
0: all right speaking of great entrances kramer comes in he got the nick ticket for kramer and there you go courtside uh kramer says uh don't let this girl get away uh and uh george puts sunglasses on she'll have to find me first
1: yeah he leaves
0: okay kramer tells jerry that he owes mike the bookie a hundred dollars he made a bet that the Knicks were going to beat the Pacers by more than 35, Keeve. That is one hell of a line.
1: I mean, it's right. And what, let's assume the line Knicks are at home is six and a half. Yeah. I mean, to tease a lineup, 29 points like that.
0: Is yeah, 10 to I one mean, odds on that correct?
1: They're abominable, 10 to one odds. <laughs> that's right? terrible. Yeah, like t- 35 uh, you know, it should be thirty to one. I think.
0: Yeah, and these are the Reggie Miller Pacers that. Uh, yeah, these are like even teams. Killed the Knicks.
1: Yeah, like Rick Smith is there. You're not beating Rick Smith by thirty five.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we had a return here to Kramer's gambling addiction, uh, which we've seen in earlier seasons. Uh, it gets mentioned here and there, but Kramer seems to have found a loophole where he is placing bets uh, as Jerry. So that is how he's getting around uh, his uh, gambling ban.
1: With Jerry's money.
0: With Jerry's money. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So back at Peterman's office, uh, we see Elaine with Peggy. And now Peggy not only is calling Elaine Susie, she's also uh, complaining about Elaine.
1: I mean, it's it's a little confusing here. Mm Mm-hmm which part like okay so suzy doesn't know who elaine bennis was does that mean she started working after elaine finished being president
0: oh i don't. i think that suzy knows who elaine bennis is well peggy i mean uh yeah well Peggy peggy says did you get this memo from elaine bennis um, and you know, it's amazing. Peterman hasn't fired that dolt She says, so maybe she just didn't have any direct contact with her again, pre LinkedIn world. Uh, maybe she just has worked in a different department or maybe she was, are there regional offices for Peterman? Did she just transfer?
1: Maybe she transferred. Maybe she just started. That's possible. Yeah. Uh, it seems like too small of a company for her not to have met the new president, but uh, you know, Manhattan's a small town, but maybe the Peterman catalog is a very large catalog. The
0: Peterman uh, business. Maybe she was in some sort of like L.A. office and then she uh, came over to the New York office. But now after insulting Elaine, she is referring Peggy to Elaine as not Susie, but Suze. And Elaine gets very mad and says, look, it's not Suze. It's Susie. My name is Susie.
1: Yeah. Um. I don't know why she cares about this, but she does
0: think that she was just looking for a reason to vent after peggy was knocking elaine as adult okay so we cut to george's house uh george is watching tv eating popcorn and his phone is ringing it goes to the answering machine and we hear the famous george's answering machine message
1: believe it or not
0: george isn't at home please leave a message at the beep Whatever. What's the second part? Got?
1: I must be out or, or I'd pick, pick up, up the, the phone. phone. Where, where, where could, could I be? I be? Uh, believe it or not, I'm not home. Uh, Chester was very bothered that the uh song switches persons midway through. Like it starts, believe it or not, George, and then he starts saying I.
0: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Do you know the theme from The Greatest American Hero?
1: I, I mean, I've heard it before. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that this is based off something, but I, I didn't, I'm not like, familiar with The Greatest American Hero.
0: Yeah, uh, Greatest American Hero was a show that is probably uh, best known for its theme song, I believe, uh, rather than uh, the actual show, which I believe was uh, short-lived uh, from uh, 1981 to uh, 1983. And it's really funny just to like uh, look at the pictures of the guy.
1: <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah. It really does not hold up well. I, again, I don't know if it was kitschy at the time uh, that it was on the air, but it, I mean the pictures are hilarious of Greatest American Hero when you look at them now.
1: Um, yeah, you know, obviously this is you know a very iconic sort of moment, and and you know the most famous part of this episode. Um, I, I it was such a big deal this song. Like the days after the show, mm-hmm. like everyone was singing it, and it was like. I'm sure if if you worked somewhere, it was, like, a big water cooler thing. The, um, I made this song my, um, you remember, like, on AOL, uh, you had a buddy list, and, like. Yes. When someone signs on, it was, like, what was the noise when someone signs on? The,
0: uh, like, um, it's like, chime.
1: Yeah, I think it was a chime. And then when someone, someone signs out of AOL, the do you remember slams? what? The door slams, yeah. door slam. So, I changed my, my, like, WAV file, or whatever it was from the door slam to this song so you heard it every which time gets incredibly annoying off. yeah every time someone signed off it was believe it or not so I've heard this song like literally you know five hundred thousand times yeah because the- like sometimes it would be three people signing off at once so it would just like play over it so- wow
0: uh it's a I mean it could
1: only lasted a few weeks probably before I had to like yeah you know my computer also like the old AOL 3.0 or whatever my computer would be like freezing you know every after like eight times in a row the song played, yeah,
0: the actual song uh called "Believe it or Not," which goes uh believe it or not, I'm walking on air uh that actually got to number two on the billboard charts in nineteen eighty one so it was a popular song itself uh in the top forty for eighteen weeks in nineteen eighty one
1: um I, I i think it's funny because this song is probably more famous now the parody answering machine version <laughs> all
0: right so we hear it it's jerry and uh, he's like george come on i know she you're screening the calls uh for allison uh pick up the phone and so he's saying look he, that he's gonna avoid her um he gets a call waiting so i can does this work keeve can you get a call waiting hang up your phone and then the answering machine is gonna pick up
1: Okay, so I have a call waiting. Right. I hang up the first call. Right. I I don't think the second one goes to the answering machine. I think the second one is now dead. Hmm, yeah. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, like, so basically, does your actual phone start ringing if you, and and does it need to ring like four times before the answering machine picks up?
1: It's a good question. I I really, I don't know. I I don't remember anything about like 90s phones, but I don't think so.
0: Also, in the background, George has a bike and a helmet in his apartment yeah
1: what's that for yeah
0: well when is george casanza riding a bicycle
1: i mean I don't know if he has to make a getaway from allison <laughs> maybe
0: yeah all right so then uh allison calls and she is uh calling she hates that message she needs to talk to george call her at the office
1: she should just do the breakup phone call at this point how long have they go out for you could do a breakup phone call.
0: yeah i think you could break up over the phone uh, could you break up on a machine though
1: I mean, he's clearly avoiding her. I feel like the rules are out the window a little bit. You should not break up on a machine, but I feel like at this point, Allison's got no other recourse.
0: Yeah. Okay. We go back to Jerry's apartment and Elaine is there. She's mad about the Suze thing and uh, she's upset about being Suze. She says, what am I, some pom-pom waving backseat bimbo?
1: I mean, is that is that like what uh, Suzes are?
0: No, still Sharon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You think Sharon's are backseat bimbos?
0: Yeah, Well, that's Elaine is describing this particular Sharon who, in addition to being, uh, bulimic and also, uh, a stenographer, she is also a backseat bimbo. A I do like the
1: term backseat bimbo.
0: Yeah. So that's, uh, that's Sharon. So Kramer comes in, he was at the Knicks game and, uh, there was an altercation, uh, Shades of foreshadowing of Charles Oakley, Keeve.
1: Um Yeah, no, this is this is really like an amazing coincidence.
0: Yeah. So Kramer- I mean, other
1: than the Oakley stuff didn't get onto the floor.
0: <laughs> yeah. Kramer uh, had courtside seats at the Knicks game, got into an altercation, and was uh, taken aside. Now, is it possible that Allison's boss was Jim Dolan?
1: Ooh, and then she works for MSG? That is possible. Yeah. And that would also explain why she wasn't interested in the Yankee ball. Like She already works for a sports team. Who cares about <laughs> the Yankee ball?
0: Yeah. She's going to the Nick ball and the
1: Knicks are good. They also have to like squeeze this story out of Kramer. Like he doesn't even want to tell them, which is crazy.
0: Yeah. And so Kramer ends up that he's uh, talking with Spike Lee and then he was jawing with Reggie Miller. This is really odd uh, that Elaine refers to Reggie Miller as, oh, Cheryl Miller's brother.
1: It's a funny line, but it's totally insane, right? Right, because she doubles down in like a minute and says like I didn't even know Sharon Miller's brother played basketball, and there was a running joke that like you know Reggie Miller tells a story like he had like his career high in high school he had like forty eight points, his parents like each I think each one of them like they had a game the same night so his sister had a game also and like he got in the car he's like I had forty eight points or something, and then like his mom's like oh that's nice shell had a hundred and three, mm-hmm. um so there was like a running joke that he was like the second best player in the family yeah um but but it's weird that like she would know who cheryl miller was but then like when she hears the name miller with somebody else assume that cheryl miller has a brother like it's a really common last name
0: right and then that considering that if you know cheryl miller that you know she's a basketball player i don't know why she's surprised that her brother reggie is a basketball player
1: right right i think that makes it's sense. like
0: the one thing that she's famous for it's like oh i didn't know her brother is into basketball out of all
1: things Right. Many, like Candace Parker, who also one of the best few women's players of all time, has a, had a brother who was in the NBA. Like, you know, I, I feel like if you're that dominant of a women's player, if you have a brother, they're probably in the NBA.
0: So this Kramer story that he tells, I mean, forget about the pants story from last week. I mean, this is like one of the most implausible Kramer stories there ever was. So he's jawing with Reggie Miller, with Spike Lee. He goes out onto the court. He throws a hot dog at Reggie Miller. And then Kramer, Reggie Miller and Spike (laughs) Lee were all ejected from the garden like Reggie Miller was like a fan attacked him and uh, or i guess is uh this uh actually a precursor to uh what is this the ron artest incident
1: oh the the melee in the, pal- the, right. the melee at palace right how culpable is
0: reggie miller a, that he that reggie miller is jawing with a fan the crazy fan steps onto the court throws a hot dog at him I, is reggie miller in trouble
1: yeah i don't i don't think i don't think the ref will kick you out for a fan in i don't know other than the mouse of the palace i don't know if a player how often a player gets kicked out for fan interaction
0: so but here's the the crazy thing kicked out so they kicked not only reggie miller out of the game they kicked spike lee kramer and reggie miller out of the building together in a group
1: (laughs) well do we know that reggie miller got kicked out of the building that he didn't just like go find spike outside
0: so kramer was just hanging out with spike lee the rest of the night until the game ended and then they went to the strip club
1: well reggie's gonna leave he's not gonna stay for like the players to come out like he He's going to spend the night in the town. This might have been the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, oh, Kramer's already anxious because, like, he, the game started an hour later than he thought it would. Um, so then the three of them go out together. Maybe Spike, I would say, maybe they have each other's numbers. I mean, it's probably the beginning of the cell phone era. Rich people like Spike or Reggie might have the cell phone. So how and did other- Reggie
0: Miller and Spike Lee go from yelling at each other on the court to hanging out after the game?
1: I mean, there's a level of respect there, you know?
0: <laughs> I guess <laughs> game so. respect,
1: game respect right. hot dog as so they
0: went to a strip club after
1: yeah it doesn't seem like reggie miller's mo to go to strip club
0: yeah okay what are you gonna do um i don't know a lot about spike lee but that doesn't seem like a spike lee uh thing either
1: more than reggie though and definitely Kramer.
0: <laughs> i don't know i I don't really follow spike lee closely it just doesn't seem like uh that he's hanging out
1: uh with escorts or at strip clubs i feel like spike lee has been ejected from a game or two.
0: Oh sure sure that part is very believable
1: how does Spike even have the money anymore to spend like a million dollars a year on these tickets?
0: Yeah, I mean, really th- makes movies. Do you feel like you could imagine
1: Kramer going to a strip club? He's a he's a come with guys guy. So I don't know if it's his favorite place, but if that's where the that's where the action is, he's he's going to go there. Okay, all right.
0: So good news also because of Reggie Miller's ejection, Jerry ends up being the winner on that bet. The Knicks won one ten to seventy three.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kramer really responsible for his own gambling victory. Yes,
0: and so uh, Charles Oakley not kicked out of the building that night, uh, providing some good defense to uh, give Jerry the win on this
1: bet. Well, it's pre-Dolan era, right? Yeah, Oh,
0: why? When is Dolan by the team? I think in like the
1: late 90s. I'm not sure.
0: Why, who had it before the Dolans? Who had it? Did his dad have it? I'm not even sure. Oh, so that's not pre-Dolan, pre-Jim Dolan.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who, oh, who owned the Knicks before okay. Dolan.
0: Um, so they made a g kramer wants to go down to the otb uh not gonna happen because the otb is closed all right so peterman is with elaine and so peterman's telling elaine how peggy got into it with suzy the house of peterman is not in order we need to have a meeting with you peggy and Susie.
1: um yeah i think about the i think maybe he's the 99 <laughs> um yeah so this is this is confusing i'm not confusing but it's like the thing about this episode that i I give the episode a little bit of props for they try a lot of things here that on paper require a lot from the actors and that are really difficult like the scenes with peterman and Susie and elaine and peggy you know and then that whole thing like they're not that great on paper they require a lot of a lot of sort of you know like very good timing and like you you know what i mean like the it's a it's a higher concept episode in some ways and in some ways we'll discuss towards the end of the episode it's like as low concept as seinfeld's ever been basically mm-hmm. um but it's just it's it's like uh, the script is asking a lot like it was such a hit or miss script and the audience seems to like be really cracking up yeah so the audience is definitely buying it
0: <laughs> they, they were psyched okay so they love that uh part of the story we'll see the meeting with peggy and Suze and elaine uh or elaine later so Kramer goes to Allison's apartment. He needs a ticket for tonight. Uh, the Knicks are playing the Rockets. And I guess Kramer wants to give the business to Hakeem Elijahwan.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's his new thing now. He's going to go every night and try and, you know, bother the best player. But uh, is he you making know, guess a bet?
0: Is he like betting the Knicks to win by 35 every game and then is going to go and egg on the star player so that both he and the star player get ejected from the game?
1: Yeah, I think that's implied, right? That they are going to... He
0: doesn't make another
1: bet with Mike. We don't... No, not on screen. But I I think the implication is, like, if he's bothering Hakeem, he's going to bet on it, too.
0: Because Mike's not going to have the $1,000 to pay Jerry. I mean, what is he going, like... Right, well, uh, that's the problem with his plan, is that
1: they have a a dope of a bookie. Well, he said, (laughs) let's let it ride. So they are going to double or nothing, yes. Mm -hmm. He tells Jerry, you got to let it ride.
0: Okay, well, it doesn't seem like Mike is in a position to be taking on any more bets.
1: No, that I agree.
0: Yeah. All right. Now, Kramer is not lifetime banned from the Garden. I mean, how did Charles Oakley get a lifetime ban? But Kramer threw a hot dog at Reggie Miller on the court. Yeah,
1: that is insane, right? I didn't think about that. Like, he's just allowed back the next day.
0: Right. And he's allowed back at the same courtside seats like Allison. You know, (laughs) when she hears that Kramer took the ticket that she got from her boss and was ejected from the game for going on the court and throwing a hot dog at Reggie Miller, that he's going to get more tickets and become a trusted confidant of allison
1: oh, i didn't think about that allison could get fired for giving kramer this ticket sure you know what i mean like that like the company could be like all right allison like you're, you're responsible but you just gave this ticket to a random stranger mm-hmm. who threw a hot dog at reggie miller <laughs> sure Fired. um uh
0: it was a different time yeah. people were like, probably like uh you know what reggie miller is a real uh nicks killer
1: screw him i think like also like maybe reggie stuck up for him you know Hmm. Like, like because Reggie, like, Reggie, Spike, and Kramer, maybe they do some media, like, when they leave the strip club or something, and it's like, okay, they're on good terms. Like, it's just a funny thing that happened.
0: Okay. So, then we end up with uh, Jerry is uh, putting stuff into his car. He is humming the uh, George Isn't at Home answering machine song, which is uh, very funny to have that callback. Uh, here comes Mike. He doesn't have any money to pay Jerry.
1: I mean... You know he's really like the worst bookie in the whole world
0: not good this is, this is very very it's much- always
1: it's always the other way around right like you don't have the money to pay your bookie the ideal of a bookie doesn't have money to pay you. Is unusual,
0: right? You would think that you got to start with like some sort of a bankroll to yeah. be a bookie, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, unless everyone just bet on the Knicks by like fifty that night and, and it paid through, and now he the bankroll's gone after one day.
0: Yeah, maybe Kramer was like calling everybody, called like Bob Sacamano, says, "Hey, I'm telling you, you got to get some action on the Knicks tonight. I got a good feeling about this."
1: Yeah, it's possible that he just got cleaned out on you know from this Knicks Pacers game.
0: Yeah. Okay, so. Jerry's having uh an issue with uh, the trunk in his car and Mike is uh trying to help. Is that what
1: happens here? Yeah, Mike is helping him.
0: He's helping. But what ends up happening is that Jerry closes the trunk and ends up breaking Mike's thumb.
1: Um yeah, I mean it's like it's weird because it's clearly not on purpose. I don't know why Mike's all of a sudden so afraid of Jerry.
0: He's very intimidated by jerry maybe because uh jerry yells at him and says uh you could act like a bookie
1: um yeah i mean he's a wimp like mike is is pathetic
0: yeah he was much tougher when he was going to fight george over the parking spot
1: yeah i know mike like doesn't have a lot of money but i feel like the first thing you need in your book operation is a guy who's going to break someone else's thumbs right
0: that's good yeah if you could have like somebody... what's this plan if
1: kramer doesn't pay like he's not going to beat him up he's a wimp you have to like Have a henchman, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, he's got, like, the bald head. It's kind of like a menacing look. Right. He Uh, could
1: be someone else's henchman, but he's not his own henchman.
0: Right, right. He's not really running a tight operation. (laughs) So we see now Kramer is at dinner with George. And the episode does take a bit of a a turn here for me, where we have Kramer as, like, the surrogate for Allison, who is uh, breaking up with George it's funny again it's like one of these things where i kind of put it in the category of kramer turning into a dog when he takes the dog medicine it's funny but this makes no sense at all like it's a funny
1: idea yeah and this is i have this in the same boat as the Susie stuff where it's like on paper this was like either a huge hit or a huge miss and you know these like mandel or whoever's writing this is like stepping out there but this is it's tough to pull off perfectly
0: they're at Pomodoro. Uh, there are couples breaking up everywhere. Uh, she wanted me to talk to you. She wanted to make a clean break, and she ultimately is saying to George that she wanted to get serious. And uh, George is like incredulous about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, George just got very serious. You know, maybe he's still like mourning Susan. You know, Susan. But I don't. You know, that's a weird. Like of all the complaints against George, that he's not serious. Like he's He's proven he's down to get engaged.
0: Yeah, and Kramer is just trying to uh, break it off, and uh, you know he's at a point where he's looking for something more than just a good time. Uh, and George's like, "Wait, you or her?" Uh, and so he's ultimately just breaking it off.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, she like she could just stop returning his calls. I'm not sure you need the official breakup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So we go back to Peterman, and we see Elaine Peterman and Peggy. And we're still waiting with someone. Elaine is playing the part of Elaine and Susie.
1: Right. Depending on if he's talking talking to Peterman or to Peggy.
0: Yeah. And so uh, Peggy says Susie has been rude. And uh, Elaine talks about how she and I have had our problems. And she's very concerned with the pronoun she and her. And talks about how that uh, they're going to work it out. And, uh, you know, very much uh, we're in like uh, who's on first territory.
1: Yeah, it is a very it is very who's on um, it's yeah you know, me and her, she and I, you and I, Elaine her and Susie. Her, again, this is it's it's tightrope walking, and you know, comedically, like I'm sure some people absolutely love it, some people don't. It's really you know depends on the person.
0: Yeah. Um. Again, I think it's funny. Uh you know I think that probably when we get towards uh the funeral for Susie I think that this is where we start to uh really maybe lose the thread of the Susie story here but I- I'm still on board with Elaine and Susie and Susie. Yeah no I
1: don't have a, I don't have a big problem with this scene.
0: Yeah. So we go back to uh Jerry and Kramer. And uh Kramer is telling Jerry that Mike is outside. He's scared because you broke his thumbs. What kind of person are you? You break a person's thumbs when they owe you money? I mean, Mike,
1: grow up, you know he didn't break your thumbs,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I think that Jerry's really upset about the whole phony business.
1: um yeah, no, I mean, I guess Mike had it coming, yeah, We're calling him a phony, but still,
0: okay, so Mike leaves and. George shows up and now we have like an awkward moment between Kramer and George as if they broke up. Like, uh, I'm not sure why uh, George is feeling this way or Kramer is feeling this way.
1: Yeah. It's a strange scene. They're like, they really eye each other silently for like 25 seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's it, 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 The actors do a good job, but yeah. it's, it's weird.
0: It's funny, but it, it makes no sense. No, none. Okay. <laughs> so I like when they asked Jerry, what do you think? And he said, I just see you guys together.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's very sad for Kramer and George to break up.
0: Okay, so what's going on with Mike in the trunk? He's trying to fix the trunk of Jerry's car?
1: I mean, he was trying to fix
0: it. What is he doing that requires him to be inside the trunk working on the car?
1: I mean, I think he said, like, I'll fix your, your trunk for you. Why did he get in? I'm not sure. He sort of gets bounced in. It's a, it's a little bit, like, uh, mm. unclear.
0: And his thumbs are in casts. I don't really even know how he could hold a screwdriver, but... So he's working on this, and Kramer backs out with his car. He bumps the front of Jerry's car, closing the trunk, locking Mike the bookie inside.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, bad job by Mike. That's, that's like a one-in-a-million shot to get locked in the trunk by falling in, basically.
0: Ironically... Kramer also, uh, in a parallel parking situation, uh, backs out before he uh, pulls out headfirst.
1: That's ironic. (laughs) Well,
0: uh, I mean, that was the argument that uh, we saw Mike and George get into in his first appearance. Right. Okay. So at least there was something going on with a parking spot here.
1: Yeah, no, they picked up the same thread.
0: Yeah. Again, uh, completely unintentional, and uh, that is exactly the way you would pull out of a parking spot. So I guess nothing ironic about it, but we do go back to at least a parked car here. Isn't it ironic? Yes, it's his undoing. So um, we see Elaine and Jerry. uh, Jerry's driving his car. Elaine is complaining about the whole Sue's Peggy issue, and Jerry says... What you need to do is get rid of Susie. Make her disappear. Got to eliminate Susie. Eliminate Susie. Again, uh, Jerry is uh, being very uncharacteristic for Jerry right now, but uh, that's required for Mike to think that they're putting a hit on somebody.
1: Yeah, he gives them the big old LOL. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then Jerry is like cracking up laughing. There is a bumper sticker that they are reading, and it's a very funny bumper sticker.
1: Yeah, I wonder what the bumper sticker was. They never tell it. Yeah,
0: it must have been hilarious.
1: Yeah, I've never seen a bumper sticker that made me laugh like
0: that (laughs) That hard. Okay, so George comes to Kramer's door. He's knocking, and Kramer says it's uh, 5 a.m. George says, no, it's really 4 a.m., and uh, that he has been thinking about Allison. Give him another shot. And Kramer says he knows
1: he's going to regret this, but he's going to take George back. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense at this point, but this is funny. Yeah.
0: So we go back to Peterman, and um, we end up with Elaine talking with Mr. Peterman, and he wants to know where is Susie, and Elaine, instead of saying that she quit, uh, Susie took her own life.:
1: I also like the idea that like this tiny catalogue has a fingerless glove division.: mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that's how Elaine doesn't know, Peggy. It's such a big company that they have divisions for like individual products.
0: We need to uh, tear down those divisions at J. Peterman.
1: That's right. Um, Yeah, so Susie killed herself. She offed herself.
0: She offed herself. Uh, Peterman uh, is very upset about the whole thing.
1: I mean, it's Susie. It's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Kramer goes back to Allison and tells her, we're taking George back. uh, And she cannot believe that this has happened.
1: Right. And doesn't really buy You know, we don't see her again. She doesn't buy
0: it. Was she lying about the she wanted to get serious? Was that a just uh, it's not you, it's me type thing?
1: I think she saw herself in this backless dress realized, oh, I could do much better than George Stanza. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I work for Jim Dolan. That's right. Yeah.
1: Or or whoever was before Jim
0: Dolan. Yeah. You know how many guys I can meet at his concerts?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I imagine it's on, only men there.
0: Yeah. So many eligible rich guys at the concerts for Jim Dolan. Okay. So... We are now going to a memorial service for Susie, and it's packed.
1: Yeah, so we, I, I don't know about you, I have 150 questions about this scene. Fire away. Okay. Who is in the casket? It's a great question. I mean... Who is who is sponsoring this funeral? Who's paying for the funeral?
0: You get the impression Peterman is uh, doing everything. Is there a casket?
1: I mean, it says funeral, like, this is, or memorial, like, on the... I mean, I don't think there you necessarily a need
0: a body for a memorial service. So
1: you have an empty casket, though. I don't.
0: Know. Is there a casket?
1: I think there is right in front of the the speaker or whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, that. I, I have to go back and take a look to see if there's a casket. And
1: who are, and who's there? Like everyone from the J.P. Yeah, I think was, they
0: probably forced all of the J.P. They Peter like, took Man, bus there or something. To, yeah, to go to the uh, to mm-hmm. the service there for Susie. But I mean, what's the look, timeline like, on this, Keeve? That's my biggest question. So Mike is locked in Jerry's trunk. He's going to get loose during the service. That Jerry is only telling Elaine about the idea that Susie is going to get offed. They say, so say that this is, um, say, Thursday night this, this happens. Elaine goes to work on Friday, tells Peterman that Susie offed herself. And then is it the same day that they get the memorial service together? It's
1: got to be the same day or next morning, maybe the next morning.
0: So at the very least, and there's no way you could do a memorial service the same day.
1: I mean, if you're Peterman, you can. You don't need to worry about the parents coming or anything. You just like call it. But I agree. Let's say the next morning.
0: Okay. I mean, Mike has been in the trunk for at least 24 hours at this point.
1: Yeah. From like Thursday night to Saturday morning.
0: Yeah, at the at the at the least,
1: at the bare minimum, could be days.
0: <laughs> could be days. How is he not dead? How is he not covered in his own waste?
1: Sure, it's a great question.
0: We we have I no mean, idea.
1: No one's ever asked this before. We're we're doing some next level stuff yeah. here, but this is a this is a great question. I mean, I mean, this scene to me, you like to say, and you've said it sometimes recently, like you know, it's funny. I like this, but this isn't Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. The fake funeral to me. I don't want to say, and also, like, if you say this isn't Seinfeld enough, like, maybe it is. Like, if twenty things aren't Seinfeld, then maybe they are Seinfeld. I, I, I just think it's too outlandish for me. It's funny. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I have a problem with it. It's funny. It, there's definitely funny parts of of this and the, and the next scene, um, at the at the fake funeral. I just it's it's so cartoony. It feels like an episode of like a really like slapstick 70s sitcom.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a Family Guy episode at this point of everything Basically. that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. going on. Yeah,
1: you're right. It, it is... Yeah, it's not even like... I don't want to say it would like... This wouldn't be like a Just Shoot Me episode, right? Like, this is almost... Right. This is almost like literally a cartoon. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I don't think that this is one of the 10 most outlandish things that we'll see in the show, but, you know, it's it's pretty uh, pretty
1: high up there. Yeah, no, this is definitely high. The idea... like. Certain things that happen are impossible. Mm -hmm. So like, yes, something happening that's impossible. Like that's almost another level, like a pig man or something like that. Mm -hmm. The, the, the idea of like the fake funeral is like within the realm of reality. It's not like science fiction. But it's literally like this is impossible. And stupid. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that more of the timing of Mike being in the trunk is the most impossible thing. I mean, if again, it, it depends if there's a casket or not. I think we need to uh, determine whether there's a, a a casket. But if it's just a memorial service for her, that Peterman does have the wherewithal to be able to put this together and potentially on short notice.
1: But sure. Th- and, and like not have the awareness to like try and figure out her last name or inviting her parents
0: right and, and then to insist that you know the hundreds of peterman employees go to the, the memorial service
1: right and like the fact that hr is not involved in this at all or anything
0: yeah that look it's, it's like we have an
1: employee that just died like and we don't know who this person yeah is, nobody even no knows her last name i guess every single person at this memorial is like shoot I'm the one guy who doesn't know who Susie was.
0: Do you think it's weird that uh, George's fiance was Susan and she died and here's Susie and she's also. Yeah, died?
1: I know. It's definitely. It's definitely a big thing because like, I mean, you know, we're talking about the, the scene with Peterman at the end. Give he give, you know, he gives Elaine the Susan speech. Right. Yeah. The foundation speech. Yeah. So it's definitely no accident. I don't think.
0: But oh, you think it's no accident. So I'm looking or at the at, scene.
1: At, a, at a certain point in the episode. If if it was a coincidence that they gave her the name Suze, by the end of the episode, by the end of like the writer writing the episode, it's very clear that the Suze and Susie thing is is a a through line.
0: I'm gonna say officially no casket.
1: No, you're looking through the scene. No casket. I thought I yeah, saw I'm a casket. Looking, I'm
0: looking on YouTube. I'm looking. I'm looking at Seinfeld Susie bloopers. I know there's definitely um, episodes where we go and and it's the the same setup and there is a casket, but here. I don't believe there is. It looks like there's a podium and I'm not seeing a casket in the room. Okay.
1: So then it's not like that crazy. Like, yeah, her work would not have access to her dead body. Mm-hmm. So fine. So they're just doing their own, you know, you know, memorial service at a funeral home or whatever. Um, That's not that insane. Right. Um, But you know, in general, it is still like the idea of this guy running in and saying Jerry Seinfeld's a murderer. And then there being no follow up on that, basically, yeah. is kind of insane.
0: I mean, and in fairness, Jerry Seinfeld almost was a murderer of Mike the bookie.
1: Yeah, of Mike. Yeah. He tried to murder you. <laughs> not not. Uh...
0: <laughs> yeah, not Susie. <laughs> not Susie. If anything, you should be going to the police pressing charges against Jerry Seinfeld for what he did to you, not to Susie.
1: Yeah. So this happens. Uh, what's it called? When Mike escapes, a lot of people also wrote in and said, how does Mike know that she killed herself? Right. Because he's just running in and he's hearing, uh, you know, Susie didn't kill it, didn't commit suicide. She was murdered by Jerry Seinfeld. Well, how does he know that she committed suicide?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Could he was he like listening
1: outside? Yeah, he must have been listening for five minutes before he decided to run in.
0: Yeah. How loud was the PA system?
1: I mean, to be fair, like he probably came in. There was a PA system. He probably needed a drink first, right? Because he'd been in the the trunk for 36 hours. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom. So it's possible, like, you he heard five minutes of what was going on. Yeah. So I think we solved that problem. Okay.
0: So just to set up a little bit, uh I, I, we're a little bit out of order. uh At the memorial service, so Elaine and Jerry are sitting in front of Peggy. And so uh, that uh Elaine ex- says to Peggy, that um that she was Elaine that she's Elaine, she's not Susie that Peggy's very surprised to see Susie at the Susie memorial service
1: um yeah, uh, yeah, this lady really there was Elaine had no plan for this lady, clearly,
0: yeah. And which she could have just said that to her in the beginning and this would have like really uh, avoided this whole situation. And then Jerry, it's very out of character, but I think it is funny in this scene that he is just keeps bragging to this woman that he had a thing with Susie and with Elaine.
1: Yeah, it is. It is funny, like at a funeral, essentially, he's bragging about his like conquests.
0: Yeah. Okay. so. Peterman shows up. He's the one. His car bumps the trunk back open. Mike gets out. He goes and runs to a sign that in one direction is a bar mitzvah. The other side is a memorial. He pauses for a second as if he's going to head over to the bar mitzvah.
1: Well, he needs food. And you figure there's better food at the bar mitzvah than the memorial, right? He's hungry.
0: Right. Just like uh, that uh, Chester and his wife were going to crash somebody's uh, wedding at one point.
1: Did he say that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was there. We were talking about a catering hall that's particularly good, and every Sunday that they have these big weddings with four hundred people. And him yes. and his wife went there, and they were going to go to. They were just going to crash a wedding for the food.
1: And what happened? There was no wedding there that there, day. It
0: was like a smaller affair. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were yeah. asking like, "Who you? Who are you?" And uh, they they just let, ran they away. They said, "Oh, we're
1: here the wrong week," and they ran. Yeah, yeah. And that's that was like he said that it's on this podcast or no he, or it was mine? on the 32 fans okay a long time ago but yeah i i, I uh that, that's funny i mean i could see chester mooching at like random weddings, um
0: <laughs> but not random bar mitzvahs
1: but also he doesn't know who's whose funeral this is right until well, how does he know how does how does mike know whose funeral he sees this is? the he sign sees for sign susie that says susie right yeah and there's only one Susie
0: in manhattan, <laughs> in the, in the, in manhattan yeah And so we end up seeing uh, George and Kramer at the Yankee ball. Kramer has shown up and says, breaks the news. Hey, Allison's not coming, but I took you back. So I'm here again. Like George is like, what? And we all should have that same reaction. Like, (laughs) well, how does Kramer even misconstrue this?
1: Yeah, Kramer's not even invited to this ball. Like, how does he get in?
0: Yeah. And now he's George's date. It's a little strange. Yeah. And so we end up with uh, them arguing over, like, I'm not going in there with you. Yes, you are. Come on, can we just try to have a nice night for once? And Kramer is trying to run in. George grabs the back of his tuxedo and ends up ripping the back out. And again, I, I think that this is almost impossible that you could rip a tuxedo and shirt <laughs> this way, but spins him around. He makes the backless twirling entrance, and uh, Wilhelm is very impressed. He says, what an entrance.
1: What what an entrance, by Green.
0: <laughs> okay. And then uh, Wilhelm asks, who are you? Uh, and he says that uh,
1: I'm with him. Yeah. I mean, they're not surprised. They know George is a bumbling idiot. So.
0: Okay. All right. Um, and, uh, you know, in uh, 2017, uh, you know, that you know think nothing of it, but maybe in 1997, uh, again, turning some heads at the Yankee Ball.
1: I mean, you could bring a friend as your date if you have a plus one.
0: But do you twirl your friend walking in?
1: No, but this is more of a fight twirl. I'm not sure how clear that was to the other
0: people. But, mm-hmm. but I do think the implication is that everybody at the Yankee Ball is to believe that Kramer is George's date.
1: Right. But I guess the Yankees were a little progressive back then with that sort of thing. Probably not, but we could assume. Were they? No, definitely not. They didn't allow facial hair. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: So uh, we end up back at Suzy's service. Elaine is like giving a whole spiel about how, much like herself, Suzy hated going to the market. Peterman gets up and tells uh, a crazy story about working with Suzy and how one night when it was just the two of them, he and Susie uh, gave in to temptation.
1: What a liar this Peterman is.
0: I mean, yeah, Peterman, uh, this calls into question his entire character. I mean, over these last two weeks, we have found out that while he, there is a perception that Peterman is like this really interesting adventure seeker, I mean, and we did see him go off to Burma in an earlier episode. This season, we now see that he sits around his house. He's watching things on on uh, in his easy boy, uh, looking up the TV guide, making up uh, sexual exploits with people he never met.
1: Maybe this is why he didn't want to write his book, because he knew he would get like Jason Blair or like Stephen Glass or whatever. Like, oh, these stories are bogus.
0: Yeah. Now, is it possible that Kramer hooked up with Susie and he bought
1: the story? Ooh, that's a good point. But he sold the stories back, right?
0: Hmm. Could I buy stories of other people, uh, sexual conquests? And then... This is an, a
1: brilliant, this is a, like an amazing question. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, if you could, whose would you buy? Like, who would you be in the market for?
0: I mean, how much do they cost?
1: Now, do you get the rights to all future ones also?
0: Mm, I think that's probably negotiable. Because then like, who are
1: you buying stock in? Are you buying like Ryan Gosling stock uh,
0: then? I, I mean, I think those are very expensive, no?
1: Well, yes, that okay. would be very expensive.
0: Yeah. You sort of, like, uh, you know, buy low from, like, uh, like a nobody, like, down on his lock guy.
1: No, but a celebrity, like, they're not going to tell anybody. Like, they're keeping that under the radar. You, so now you're just, like...
0: Ryan Gosling is not selling you his sexual exploit stories.
1: Why not? Because he has he's money. He's not telling them to anybody.
0: So why is he selling them?
1: I mean, I, I, like, I don't know. It's free buck. Free buck? Well, actually, Ryan Gosling is probably a bad example. I don't think he's ever been seen in public with his wife. Who's was also a celebrity. So he's probably literally like the last person who would. I believe he I believe him and his wife have like never been photographed together. Ava Mendez.
0: Right. I, I mean, so
1: he's probably not the guy who's telling the story. Right. Unless it was one of those like last person you'd expect.
0: You to. go to somebody like Willie Ames, uh, who was buddy on Charles in Charge. Uh, you know, probably you could get uh, like uh, a bunch of stories for like 500 bucks.
1: Willie Ames? Like, does he, does he have any stories?
0: Yeah, he was well, buddy like on Charles random, in Charge.
1: Yeah, but that's like a random... He was like, hanging out with Scott you...
0: Bayo all these years.
1: He's the title character in the direct-to-video series Bible Man. That probably means he doesn't have a lot of good stories. He did, I'm telling you. He's probably been He's probably been like married to the same woman or something.
0: Oh, definitely not. Uh, all right, Ames was married three
1: times. Yeah. All right. Vicky Weatherman in 1979. Malo McCaslin in 86. And now he's married to Winnie Hung. Hey. Oh, bring it back to the old... <laughs> yeah, well.
0: Thomas Jane.
1: Yeah, that's right, tying it all back together. Um, and he's not acting much though.
0: Yeah, so he so he, he might need the, the money. Kind of oh, person... he's on
1: Celebrity Fit Club two and eight, so right? clearly
0: <laughs> You want somebody that has a lot of stories, doesn't have money.
1: Yes. um Again, hold, so let's see if he's on Twitter. Really. We're going to buy his <laughs> Right, from him. <laughs> Dan, Dan. I know you usually give money to charity and the benefactors, but I think we got to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One day, newborn baby Winokur can listen to this podcast and hear exactly oh, what dad is really put... talking about within uh, 72
1: hours of being born. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the world, baby Winokur. X-Teen Idol International. Nice guy. He's got 2,500 followers.
0: Hey. <laughs> so, there you go. All right. Then... Let's uh, just uh, finish this up. So uh, Peterman is going on and on, and uh, then he never heard the cries for help. Uh, Jerry turns to Peggy and says, but yeah, but he didn't sleep with both of them. Uh, here comes Mike, says, uh, no, Susie didn't commit suicide. She was murdered by Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry, uh, interestingly, does not say, Wait, whoa, 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 I didn't murder anybody. Uh, that he says, yeah, and I broke his thumbs.
1: <laughs> It's a good joke.
0: It's a good joke, but, you know, you think that there's some serious charges for Jerry to answer, considering that sure. he locked the man in his trunk for two to three days.
1: Yeah, because even though we know Jerry's telling the truth, his story it sounds very improbable. Like, Naro was an accident, and then he accidentally fell into the trunk after I broke his thumbs and I locked him in there. But it, just seems, it just seems so improbable.
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. And then we get to the tag. And the tag is a reset of uh, what we saw in the season opener where uh, Peterman is saying that he is starting a charitable foundation in Suze's honor. And uh, he wants Elaine to run it. And Elaine tells him, no, I'm her and she's me. And it's a great line that Peterman says, I know exactly how you feel. (laughs) He says, I feel the same way so uh she can work on that and then we get the return of the overhead uh spinning shot suze
1: yeah it ends on suze yeah. assuming she wasn't saying the full word Susie.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right there you go all right kiev uh let's talk through uh our overall feelings on uh the Suzy. okay uh, not the suze we start with? okay um well, Let's go with uh, Jerry and uh, Jerry does, you know, he doesn't really have a story,
1: right? I mean, Jerry, his story is with Mike. So, yeah, like,
0: you know, Um, so, yeah, Jerry ends up, uh, you know, having a a bet placed in his name and that he doesn't really want to have. And then he accidentally closes the trunk on Mike's thumbs i i feel like that as a jerry story uh this is a pretty forgettable storyline
1: yeah it, jerry's actually not in a lot of scenes in this episode which is relatively rare like i'm closer um, to
0: saying that this is an incomplete for jerry than. no i won't it give an incomplete
1: because he's got a couple good jokes at the end i'll give jerry a b here i think he doesn't have a lot to work with but it's still pretty you know the mic stuff is still pretty memorable okay
0: fair enough uh what about george
1: i mean i'm gonna give him an a just for the answering machine yeah. i feel like all you need to do is like he doesn't. That's all he needs to show up. You hit you hit a three run homer in the first inning. It Doesn't matter what you do rest. Yeah, the
0: rest of the story doesn't hold up. Who cares about his entrance and everything uh, with that? But uh, the answering machine saves it.
1: I mean, it's really one of my favorite one of my favorite moments.
0: Yeah, take out the answering machine. I think this is maybe a C minus uh, for George, yeah. but the answering machine yeah. totally seals it. Uh, what about Elaine with the Suze and the Susie?
1: And the Peggy. I mean, again, it's there's a lot going on. Some scenes are better than others. If you love the bogus funeral, which I'm sure some people do. It's a funny um, idea. It is a funny idea. Um, it feels a little bit hacky. Um, they obviously did put, like, a new seinfeld D spin on it, but it just feels like we've been here in before. Uh, I, I'll give it a B. Yeah.
0: Um, I feel like it's a little high. I mean, say like a B minus, but... Um, sure. Let's not, uh, quibble with that. And then Kramer, he has, uh, some different things going on daylight savings time. It actually never goes anywhere. Then he's placing the bet with Mike. He also ends up with, uh, George's date. So a lot of uh, stuff on the board,
1: a lot of small things to me. My actually problem with Kramer is like, I think the Reggie Miller story is such a funny story and so reminiscent of like getting into the fight with Mickey Mantle at Yankees fantasy camp. And him fighting the guy off on the bus, and and the and the marine biologist, like he, this is he almost like no soul. This incredible story with Reggie Miller. Yeah, I feel like he could have told the story. They could have like made the story a little bit better, mm-hmm. considering like they're already making this insane thing up. Yeah. Um. So I'll give him a C because I feel like he could have done more with what he worked with.
0: Okay. Um. Yeah, that's fine for me. That the uh, wish they would have done something with the daylight savings time. Like, I feel like that could have been yeah. its own, like, subplot for Kramer on an episode. Yeah, it could have got
1: tied into something.
0: Okay. All right. So, Keeve, in the overall rankings for the Soos, uh, I will say I'm feeling around a 78 for you in the episode rankings.
1: Okay. You know, this is actually a tough episode to rank because I feel like giving it, you know, putting it under the critical lens that we do. Yeah, And it's moment. so cartoonishly... St- yeah. It's so, no. Well, there's two things. It's so cartoonishly stupid. The funeral scene. I don't really love the Yankee stuff with Kramer. Um, I don't like the scenes with, with, you know, the Allison stuff. And I I, I never really like the Susie stuff. And I hate Mike Moffat. <laughs> so it's like, how much do you love The Answering Machine? Which I love. It's one of my favorite moments of the whole series. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like it's an uneven episode that I feel like they could have really hit it out of the park. I think they could have tied the prostitute thing in better. The watch thing is definitely an open end that they could have done something. I don't I'm not saying they had to have done it, but I think they could have hit it. So I have it all the way down at episode number one hundred.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So I think that ultimately in the wash, I think I probably was a little higher on Susie than you were.
1: I think so. I understand like I I've, I've seen people say like this is a top ten episode to me. And if you love the funeral scene, if you think that's like an iconic scene, I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, to me it's just we, you know, really like micro analyze this mm-hmm. like yeah. And it is just so unrealistic. Like any 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 show could have written the the funeral scene if they were willing to suspend reality like that.
0: Okay. All right, Keeve. Uh ready to dive into the Seinfeld post show recap mailbag? Let's do it. Okay. The Susie mailbag, of course. We get your emails every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps dot com. Uh, why don't we start this week with our Penguin correspondent, Sean Falconer? who you were talking on the last week's episode that uh, you must have been delirious. You were talking about how much fun it would be to have a penguin at your house.
1: I think I was delirious.
0: Um, You said, Sean Falconer, that uh, his fiance works at a zoo. Maybe he might know something about penguins. So he did follow up. He talked to his fiance, Sandy, as well as a former penguin keeper about your penguin question from last week. Sandy's standard response for anything like this is that any wild animal can be potentially dangerous, but for penguins specifically, they can give you a good bite or a missing finger. But if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone.
1: Well, no. I said last week that I wanted a penguin as a pet, but I think we did. We also bring like discuss whether I could beat up a penguin or not.
0: Mm, Yeah. If penguins were attacking you. I had said yeah, I think that you could fight. probably just like, uh, you know, uh, punt a penguin.
1: Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. It that would be adorable. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Sandy would like that.
0: No, no. Nobody should. I'm just, if you were being attacked, this is only if you were yeah. being no, attacked. No, we are
1: not pro-violence uh, against penguins on this podcast. No. Like we stand I, for one thing.
0: I wouldn't even it's, suggest having one around.
1: What if you go to the zoo and they start up?
0: Well, then don't go into the penguin cage. <laughs> Fair enough. Keep your distance. It's a wild animal. What if
1: I'm in? What if I'm in Antarctica? on like a on like a. An expedition or something.
0: Um. Yeah. The, then. Uh. You know. Just. You know. Mind your p's and q's. Again. If they. If you don't bother them, they won't bother you. And then this is from the former penguin keeper. He said that on a day to day basis, penguins are not aggressive, except in certain situations like breeding or if you need to round them up for some reason. Their wings are the biggest danger. Zookeepers have gotten broken bones from a wing hit. Generally, penguins uh, keepers, they suffer more animal-related injuries than most other zookeepers. Uh, but they are non-lethal injuries. But apparently, they happen frequently. So it's not the best pet. You most likely could overpower them, but they can do some damage. And also, speaking from personal experience, Sean says they uh, smell bad. So uh, leave them to the professionals, Keith. Figure yeah, out now a i'm pattern.
1: really yeah i'm discouraged from getting a pet penguin i'm not totally out on it but i mean i don't know how much would you have to be paid to be like a zookeeper i feel like, it's like i didn't know it was like a high danger job
0: mm, yeah i mean i'm not a big animal guy um so
1: To be like the Lion Tamer guy, how much, would, how much whoa, whoa. would you need to get paid a year?
0: Lion Tamer is more of a circus job <laughs> than a zoo job. No, but
1: like the guy, well, RIP to the circus. I think that's pretty much gone at this
0: point. I think there's still some circuses that are out there.
1: Not the Ringling Brothers. No, not one.
0: Ringling Brothers, yeah. But now there's not as opportunities for the up-and-coming circuses.
1: I think there are no up-and-coming
0: circuses. Somebody's going to come in and disrupt the circus game.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's disrupting the circus game. I Virtual feel like reality like somebody-
0: circus, it's happening
1: that's like when a, if a vcr company had gone under 1999 and you said now there's opportunities for uh some real you know upstart vcr companies come in and <laughs> disrupt take samsung's, <laughs> samsung's lunch um johnny disilvera says doesn't mike know that kramer got reggie Miller's plus from the game why doesn't he claim the, that he doesn't have to pay jerry due to kramer's interference and i think amir or, or maybe chester pointed out that like there's another scenario right where he, um, in, when, there, when Kramer's betting in the airport Right And, and the, the guy whose name I'm playing on night right now Because it's after one in the morning here the, um, uh, he, When he finds out that he had Even the slightest bit to do With the flight getting delayed He took his money back Right, right. Here Kramer's directly responsible For getting the star of the other team Tossed from the game so is, Mike Moffat is a horrible bookie if he's allowing this nonsense to go on. Yeah, but... Kramer's essentially shaving points in his first game yeah, on the Yeah,
0: pre-internet desk. era, what would he do? Like, pick up the post and would they have a picture of the guy?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like, it would be all over the papers. If, if Reggie Miller got kicked out of a game where someone threw a hot dog at him, I feel like that would be everywhere.
0: Yeah, probably like on the front page of like the Daily News and the Post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, again, Mike the uh, bookie is terrible. All right. Uh, let's go to Lindsay, uh, who wants to know, has anyone ever consistently messed up either of your names? I've been called Leslie a bunch of times by people I've just met, but I always correct them. There's one guy I've seen every few months for literally years, however, who still does it half the time, and I've gotten so tired of correcting him, I just go with it. Maybe he's messing with me.
1: I mean, there's certain people who are just really bad at names.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody um, messes up my first name.
1: No, but you have the you have a unique experience where, like, the one of the things you're most known for, there's someone more famous than you with the same name.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. but most people- and that's
1: podcasting. I'm talking about podcaster uh, Rob Hubel. <laughs> no, I don't know. But Um,
0: most people that I'm interacting with has no idea about, you know, podcasting or, you know, anything that I've done. So there's no like when I'm introduced to people like there's no I I haven't been called like Ron for too long.
1: No, but I think every every like week of your life, someone assumes you're Boston Rob.
0: Sure. Yeah, I guess so. Um, And I guess I do just, you know, it is easier just to
1: go with it than to correct them. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely go with it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, also, Lindsay wants to know, can you think of any other names that would better suit Elaine other than Sharon?
1: Hmm. What would be a good Elaine name?
0: Hmm. Um, what better? about Cheryl? Cheryl? I guess I could see it. Sounds a little like Sharon.
1: It does, but it's also like that's what, you know, LD's wife is and, and sort of like that's the next Elaine in sort of like this canon universe. Um, What about Betty? Betty? Uh, veronica.
0: no no i don't think she's i think she'd more, she's be more a of family. a veronica than a betty
1: yeah
0: um but save your riverdale takes for another time midge midge <laughs> no midge yeah F i don't know that do you have any girl names that you were going to use for a baby
1: no we had no we had no idea we didn't have a girl's name if we were going to have a girl we, we have know, sharon we never now for the that. next one sure we we could
0: okay what does
1: v have to say uh v says uh he loves how in small town manhattan jerry doesn't run into mike for five years and then sees him on consecutive days <laughs> he then publicly accuses jerry of murder and disappears again forever yeah that makes sense i will say mike moffett is very strange that he's not even like cut out of the finale mm. you know there's so many people at the finale and then there's like another five six people who end up on the cutting room uh, you know the editing room floor or whatever yeah. mike is like you know he, he has some real gripes against jerry much more than like uh, you know, a couple of people who, who actually do testify.
0: Yeah, but I feel like that, you know, sometimes like the deleted scenes, they get cut for a reason.
1: Yeah, but no, I'm just saying like, why? It's weird that Mike was not on the finale The finale, um, sort of, uh, you know, like he radar of the finale. But I guess he's only in two episodes. He's not super famous. What is Travis up to?
0: Travis says... I recall the creative answering machine message being quite a thing in the 90s. When Abby and I were first married, ours had some stupid bit involving a dog walking service until her grandfather phoned us one time and chewed us out for not having a respectable greeting. He was a real Mr. Pitt. May he rest in peace. Keith, did you ever have a funny answering machine message? I feel like
1: like I tried to do the George Mm 1-1. But it was probably like my parents' answering machine. They're like, no.
0: Yeah. I remember there were like tapes you could buy that would help you like make funny answering machine messages
1: you definitely bought those tapes
0: i know because i was a kid and i didn't have an answering machine oh okay fine but i remember like seeing them oh that'd be so cool if we could get that
1: uh yeah the answering machine was such a big deal like people like the millennials out there don't realize like i mean you'd get home from vacation literally the first thing you do is check your messages
0: right i mean the answering machine was the closest thing people had to a podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like your answering machine message was like the closest you can make to like, uh, all right, got a new podcast episode out. Call my phone if you want to hear it.
1: I think there was like, uh, you know, a time limit. I don't think we could do a two full hours on the answering machine.
0: Though. No, but you you could do like a minute.
1: Yeah, so is that where is that where your podcasting skills came from? Just like practicing on the answering machine for a minute at a time. Yeah,
0: I think it was like a
1: vine. Like you had to really like tighten the amount of time you were spending on everything.
0: One one time in college when I was a freshman in college, I do remember that I recorded a answering machine message. I I first got my voicemail set up. It was like the first time I had my own phone number, and I had on my phone the voice message was I did a top ten list. That, that used to be when I was in high school, I used to like have a column in the high school newspaper and I would write a lot of top 10 lists and I did a top 10 list of a uh, top 10 uh, mispronunciations of the new hit dance craze, the Macarena. Oh my God. Yeah. Imagine having to listen to that. You're trying to call me and they're going to get through a top 10 list and oh you've heard boy. it before. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm not sure if you could like hit like the pound sign and skip it.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you could skip. I was thinking that. Can you skip the answering machine? I feel like you could out? on voicemail. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't even listened, checked the voicemail in, in ten years. Yeah. Um, Craig from Vancouver says Does Lee Ehrenberg's mic hold the record for the longest period between appearances? I don't know if it's him or someone in the finale tops him. Yes. Uh, a couple people in the finale top him. Uh Lieutenant Bookman is in the library, which is episode twenty two, and mm-hmm. then is not seen again until the finale. And the parking lot, uh, uh, you know, guy from the parking garage in t- episode twenty three, also in the finale. So okay. no record for Lee Amber. All
0: right, Pat in Ohio says, uh, "How could Peggy not know who Elaine was, considering that for a brief time she was the CEO of Peterman? Was she hired after Peterman came back?" And I-, I think I'm going to go with the transfer.
1: I mean, this P- like Peterman has separate offices. Like, how big is this catalog?
0: I mean, it's a big catalog. I mean, I think that it's sort of like a. Yeah, but why um... do they
1: have to like New York is the fashion. Like, why do they need to be in like? Why do they need an office in like Columbus or Wichita?
0: I mean, they wouldn't have an, a West Coast office.
1: I guess, I guess you need some West Coast presence, but I don't know if this Peggy is, is a West Coast type of gal.
0: That's why she's in New York now.
1: I guess. Yeah, she got transferred because she was not appropriate for L.A. Okay. Uh, what about Amir? Following up on last week's episode, Amir asks, isn't this Kramer basketball fight story the exact type of thing that would be perfect for the Peterman book? <sighs> I know this particular one didn't happen yet, but he has a million like these. The time he drove a bus while fighting a an attacker. The time he pretended to be movie phone. The time he got into a fight at a baseball fan's camp. He has so many incredible stories. Yeah, uh, this, the Peterman book with Kramer stories would have been, uh, you know, sold
0: like uh, hotcakes. Would have been great. Would have been great if they could have done it. All right. And then finally, Chester says, if you guys were gigolos, how much would you charge a night? I'd say Rob could get $20 in New York, $500 if the Jane was a Survivor fan. Wow, Chester even knows like the terminology. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it knows the lingo a little too well. Yeah.
0: Yes, and $100 in Japan, $5,000 if it was a Survivor fan. Keeb would get negative $1,000 in New York and a 20-year sentence in Japan.
1: Thanks, Chester. That's, that's
0: negative $1,000. So you would pay <laughs> the woman $1,000. Yeah.
1: Well, I think then the, I'm not... I'm, and, again, I'm being the, presumptive the to say here. woman. Sure. But I think either way, the roles have, have uh, reversed here yes okay like i think once if i'm paying like i don't know how that i don't you know i, I think there's no i don't know how uh you know how that would be classified like hmm. could i get in trouble
0: so you're an escort you're a gigolo and you're mm-hmm. paying uh you're i'm so repugnant i have to pay a thousand dollars uh i mean i mean in any this other would, this is work, like a supreme
1: court case this like, is really complicated
0: if you were like a vacuum salesman and you were mm-hmm. like try my vacuum i'll pay you one thousand dollars to try my vacuum yeah i mean it's then um,
1: i'm i'm i the vacuum sailor like salesman or am i the vacuum buyer at that point
0: <laughs> well you're saying try my service i'll pay you one thousand sure. dollars is it like that you get your money back if you didn't like it
1: i'm still shocked he knew the word jane i didn't know that word
0: <laughs> thomas jane uh all right. Then also Chester says that Kramer's gambling problem isn't his addiction. It's that he makes bad bets. 10 to 1 odds are way too low for a 35 point spread. The Knicks and Pacers have played each other 211 times. Only two times ever did the Knicks win by 35 points.
1: Well, that's some rare, actually useful points from Chester. That's good research.
0: Oh, good. I thought you were going to uh, make fun that he researched that.
1: No, no, I no. Mean, I, I mean, like, obviously, like, you know how many how many kids is he ignoring when he finds that (laughs) only three only three i'm ignoring four
0: yeah all right uh good stuff uh what's next week
1: all right uh so next week we got the pothole we got kramer adopting a highway jerry's girlfriend jerry's girlfriend uh using a toothbrush that was dropped in the toilet Mm -hmm. we just got a key ring I'm George Steinbrenner episode 150, a truly landmark episode.
0: We haven't already done an episode where they dropped a. a uh, I think I'm thinking of the he finds the Jerry finds the uh, fungicide in the medicine chest, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the but, optics are the same of bathroom, pretty similar, yeah, okay.
1: Jerry's uh, grossy gross, cleanliness,
0: yeah, grossed out, okay. But it's season eight, so
1: yeah,
0: do we have a hashtag for today?
1: Ooh, do we? something um, about thomas jane yeah, i feel like he's got to be involved
0: thomas jane i don't know if there's something with the answering machine you want to call uh back to hmm. um there's something with answering machine and a callback also i think where' is it a hashtag thomas jane
1: okay fine <laughs> hashtag thomas jane is fine
0: <laughs> yeah so then keeve uh i know you are very busy with uh bringing children into the world uh but mm. are you still uh having time to podcast with chester
1: yeah 32 fans this week well, we lost an episode Chester's fault he lost his audio. Mm-hmm. Uh so we kind of re-recorded complaining that we lost it. So it's not it's not as good as the first one which was really long. But we started uh coming up with the bracket for the uh, greatest American athlete of all time. Yeah, now there you had, had your like side? One...
0: You had your side of the audio?
1: It's my side of the audio is still there.
0: Chester couldn't have just like had the conversation with you that he like uh like knowing that you were going to answer. I asked him.
1: Yeah, he did that once when we lost like 8 minutes of something. <laughs> yeah, um, he didn't comes. want to do it. He he said it would be I don't know people really liked it um he said he it would be too long for him to do like an hour and a half he didn't remember what he said it would have been it would have been a lot of editing he, he yeah know, he, he uh he didn't want to do that i get it, it would be but a fun so, exercise yeah. though well he already did it once mm-hmm. like he really did it for like you never heard it was like eight minutes of him like Im- he was imitating my voice the whole time
0: yeah oh okay i thought he was just and like-
1: we, you know what he did he we lost my audio that time and he was imitating me oh okay and he really nailed every single thing I said. His voice wasn't perfect, but he, he nailed every single point of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we picked 55 people for the bracket, and then we set up a poll for uh, the last nine from, like, 40 people to choose from.
0: Okay. Um. All right, so check that out. Uh, of course, if you want to follow Akiva on Twitter, he is at keev 26 I'm at Rob Sesternino. Of course, uh, big shout out to uh our own Scott St. Pierre, who celebrated a birthday this week. So happy birthday to Scott. Happy birthday, Scott. Uh, who edits all of these uh fine podcasts counting down the weeks until we reach uh, the 180th episode of Seinfeld and also uh special thanks to uh, Mike Moore who writes our Seinfeld poster recap recap
1: uh, thank you Mike um, yeah thir- next 150 is that like it's a weird you know the round numbers are like big milestones but for whatever reason the 150 is like it doesn't it doesn't feel like 100 you know
0: yeah nobody cares no, um, we're
1: not doing anything for what do you get someone for their 150th podcast
0: 150th podcast uh, mm. yeah I don't know I don't think they, they, a wooden spoon <laughs>
1: um,
0: yeah a wooden microphone um, yeah. all right so good stuff hope you guys enjoyed the show and uh, looking forward to coming back uh, next week to talk about the pothole here on the Seinfeld Post Show Recap uh, so you can subscribe to the podcast postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes looking forward to reading your comments at postshowrecaps.com take care everybody bye